Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. As uh, 2022 started, that's the beginning of this year, seems like almost an eternity ago, and as the COVID restrictions were starting to be dismantled, we were thrust into our new reality, the new norm, as they tried to start calling it already during COVID, but we were thrust uh, rudely into that reality, a post-COVID reality. And it was into that reality, this reality, that God has been speaking to us, originally spoke to us about breaking new ground. Do you remember the vision launch when we were all stuck outside, not allowed to come in? I suppose that's the opposite of being naughty children. Naughty children are kept in, but we were kept out. And so we all experienced the coming into the, into the hall, seeing the, the decorations, seeing the, the, the visualization of the vision before I had the privilege of sharing the scripture and presenting what it was that we believed God has been saying to us this year. Do you remember taking home your little pot with your basil seeds in it? Do, did you eat the fruit of the land? Oh, Nadine said, oh, I wish we still had that pot. I said, my love, we couldn't. We transplanted it and then we ate it. Because that's what seed is there for. Well, yeah, I don't know. I discovered that uh, most modern seed is, I don't know, irradiated, nuked, genetically modified so that you sow it once, but it doesn't produce seed for a second crop. And that's like, oh no, Lord, it kind of ruins your... The, the, the imagery of what it was that you were saying to us. How does, it, how does it happen that we get to that place where good start, but uh, we forget to water it or I don't know what, what happens? What happened to yours? So today I want to remind us of that vision and give both a perspective and a handle on how the Lord has been working in you, maybe covertly behind the scenes, but he has been working in each and every one of us to break new ground. And I, wanna, I want to start by just making this statement. It's impossible to break new ground without being involved. It's impossible to break new ground without being involved. In other words, breaking new, new ground is not a private self-improvement, self-help program that we do, you know, that we do at home and that nobody ever sees. It is something that has to result in us doing life together. So again, a disclaimer, this is not a club. If you're not involved, I'm wanting to encourage you to get involved, not, or not just, because we need volunteers 
but because ultimately it's God's mechanism for taking us from where we are to somewhere where we couldn't go, somewhere where we couldn't be if we were just left on our own. It's not an accident that God created the church as his primary and sole vehicle for bringing his gospel to the ends of the earth. But, but let's start again at the beginning. So the beginning was Hosea 10, verse 12. So Hosea the person was an Israelite prophet who God gave, gave the kind of message that he had to live out. God gave him the kind of message that he had to live out. I remember a time a few years back now when uh, one, of, one of those amongst us felt that the Lord had given him the kind of word that was uncomfortable. And he threw chairs around and he spoke the word of the Lord to us. And that was awkward. But nothing in comparison with what Hosea had to live with every day, pretty much, of his adult life. He had to live out the reality of a picture that God was, I'm going to use the word desperate, if God can ever get desperate. He was desperate for us to hear us. He was desperate for the Israelites to hear the people of God, and in that sense, us. There's a, a great little commentary, by the way, just as an aside, by Michael Eaton on the book of Hosea. If you don't know Michael Eaton, his, all of his stuff is absolutely wonderful. And there's a, a nice little, commentaries usually feel like they're, you know, that thick. But this one is nice and thin. And what's wonderful about this commentary is it actually answers the questions that most of us are asking. <laughs> It's ironic, but for me, I found that not a lot of commentaries actually do that. But this does. It may, be, it may be small and thinner, but it's got way more answers. So if you see, in fact, any of Michael Eaton's stuff is worth getting your hands on. It's available electronically as well as in print. As you can see, I'm more of the electronic kind. So Hosea, he was, if, if you read what we call the Minor Prophets, and by the way, they're not minor because they sang in a minor key or they were shorter or whatever. In, uh, in the Hebrew, this was one scroll. So we grouped them together and we grouped them to, and the grouping is, the, the name of the grouping that we give it is the minor prophets because they are shorter. Not because they're less important, less significant, because they're shorter. And Hosea is the first. He lived in the early part of the 8th century BC, just as the Assyrian Empire was coming into the ascendancy, as it was becoming the regional superpower. And he died roughly at the, at the time that Assyria conquered and totally exiled the northern kingdom of Israel. And he was prophesying into that context, into that Socio-political context. We have these divisions, the division between church and state. There was no such thing in Israel. Faith in Yahweh God permeated 
every aspect of life. I think we might have lost a little something there. So he prophesied during that time and he prophesied into both parts of Israel, the north and the south. Jeroboam II was the king in the northern, uh, in the northern kingdom. I remember when I was first taught about uh, Israelite history. How on earth am I going to ever remember all these names and how they fitted together and who was good and who was bad? And I was given this, this easy mnemonic. There were no good kings in the northern kingdom. So that made it simple. Remembering who was when, Jeroboam II was obviously after Jeroboam I. But that's about as much as I can remember. The southern kingdom was like a roller coaster of good and bad kings. Sadly, good kings' sons did not always do good. It was an important lesson for us to learn in that. But I'm not going to talk about it today. So Hosea probably died around the time that Assyria conquered the northern kingdom. That is 722 BC. The Lord gave him a word who he was to marry. And just in case, unmarried man, you think that is the norm, it wasn't. The reason why the Lord had to give, uh, give him a word was because his wife, Goma, makes me think of characters out of, I don't know, Ghostbusters. The reason why the Lord had to give him a word to marry Goma was she already had a bad reputation. And she lived up to her reputation. Now, she, I'd love to say she gets a bad rap, but she unfortunately was consistently unfaithful. And that was why he had to get a word. But that was why God gave him the word. Because he was, he and his marriage were to be a living symbol of how God felt about Israel, north and south. And what they were doing that was leading to the Assyrian exile or the Syrian captivity, and then almost 200, 150 years later to the Babylonian exile and captivity. He was to live what God was, what, what God was feeling. So there are numerous passages as you read through Hosea, which I did a couple of weeks ago, that talk about his private life. Now he had to go and get his wife from out of some crazy situation. And then he had to tell her again to be faithful and she stayed with him for a while. And then whew, there are all these anecdotal things and they are all triggers for the word of the Lord being spoken through Hosea to the nation of Israel. So as we hone in on Hosea 10, Hosea 10 is in the midst of another one of these prophecies where God is speaking to the nation of Israel and saying, stop your idolatrous whoring. Forgive me for the strong language, but that is exactly what he's saying. Stop your idolatrous, 
I'm trying to think of a synonym. Prostitution, whatever you want to call it. He makes a big issue in there about, no, I'm not going to go there. It's not R-rated. And the, the, the section, which is from nine, verse 9 to 15, that our verse, verse 12, comes in, is actually not such a positive prophecy, even though our verse is extremely positive. In fact, verse 12 is the redemptive verse of that whole section. And this is a pattern, not just with Hosea, but with all his prophets. There's doom and gloom, but there is always, always, always the promise of hope. The promise from the Almighty of hope. So verse 12 is the redemptive one. And he's talking about the fruit of obedience. Why is he saying plow up the land so that I, the Lord, can plant good seed and you can thrive and not be utterly destroyed and wiped out? Verse 13 is the parable. Parable. The parallel if you know anything, or if you've picked up from reading the Old Testament, you will know that the way Hebrew poetry verse works is in various kinds of parallelism. So something is said, and then it's paralleled. Sometimes it's, it's paralleled by reinforcing. One of the most common is it's paralleled by its antithesis, its opposite. And that's what's happening here. Verse 13 is the negative parallel. He's saying that the current fruit of what you're doing is a fruit of centuries of rebellion and disobedience. So let's read the passage again. Hosea 10, just those two verses, 12 and 13. Sow righteousness for yourselves and reap faithful love. Break up your unplowed ground. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes and sends righteousness on you like rain. But, I want to stick that in there. But, it's one letter in the Hebrew. Anyway, you have plowed wickedness and reaped injustice. You've eaten the fruit of lies because you've trusted in your own way and in your large number of soldiers. And actually the, the, the following verses go on and repeat that and expand that idea. What does your, you've trusted in your own way look like? How's it worked out in your situation? But he starts with that, in your great number of soldiers. You could put it in your, in your senior management position, in the strength of your, your business environment, in just how skillful you are. You trusted in your own way. So just a couple of uh, comments about this text. I thought Michael did an amazing job earlier in the year just putting this whole thing in perspective. And if you can't remember, go and have a look at our podcast because it's there. So the Lord's been speaking to us from this passage around this idea of breaking new grounds. That's our way of prophetically restating what this scripture says, which is, prepare a ground that hasn't been prepared. So that's true for us, but it's also breaking new ground. It's worth noting that the situation into which 
um, Hosea was prophesying is not identical to our situation. I trust that we don't have hordes of spiritual and physical uh, idolatry going on in our midst. I really uh, do trust that that is not the case. So it's not an identical situation. We need to see the the original uh, context before we can start applying it to our own context. It's just a reminder as you read through the Old Testament and you pull out a few verses and just say, ah, just look at the context first. Also remember that when we read you, we always read it as you individual first. But almost always, especially in the Old Testament, often in the New, that is a plural you. In English, you've got you, individual, and you, plural. There's not a huge amount of uh, distinction. It's one of the only times I think that American English is better than other English. I like the idea of y'all. See, I can't even say it properly. But I love that distinction that there is, that there's a clarity that comes in between you individual and you plural. So when we read these, you and yours, even in our passage, we tend to think individually. In Hebrew, it was always communal first. It was always communal first, but in Western culture, it's always individualistic first. Let's remember that when we read this. So the, the, the imagery, very vivid and graphic, of adultery is not just limited to Hosea. It's especially full of uh, the prophecies of Jeremiah as well, but it's a regular image, and there's a a lot that can be taken up in terms of that. But uh, just in case you've never heard this, I've often been asked, but the Bible doesn't, uh, doesn't... have anything to say about people living together before marriage. It does, everywhere. And it calls it promiscuity. In the Greek, it's porneia, from which we get our English word pornography. It's a very inclusive term. It it talks about uh, all kinds of forms of sex outside outside of marriage. Why? Because that's how God created it been listening to a few interesting things by psychologists um, on YouTube, if there's any truth that comes out of YouTube. Um, and there, it's been interesting to hear that this, this thing has become a well-documented reality. The couples who live together before their marriage, before they get married, battle afterwards I'm not going to say anything more about that, but this image is common and it's always linked to idolatry. It's used sometimes of, or, or this, this condemnation of idolatry rather, is it's not just spoken over Israel, it's spoken over those around them as well. But the idea of adultery and promiscuity and, and illegitimate sexual relations is 
used exclusively, that language is used exclusively of Israel. Why? Because they knew better. They weren't involved in the things that had God had given them to be involved in. They'd started by being more concerned with not doing the things they shouldn't be doing. That had been the focus. Instead, instead of focusing on doing the things that God said, do, do. Do, space, do. And because of that, because they focused on trying to not do the things they weren't supposed to do, they became uninvolved in the ways, the will, and the knowledge of God. So breaking new ground means being involved. If you're stationary or stuck, you can't break new ground. And you can't break new ground without getting involved. On Friday, when we were having our regular prayer time for this weekend and other things, like we heard in one of the testimonies earlier, I got a picture. And yeah, my pictures are sometimes interesting, but I always experience them really quite vividly. So my dad was an avid gardener. His, uh, his job when I was growing up uh, was quite pressurized, and he would use working in the garden as his de-stress time. You know, if he needed to hit a few things, it was much safer in the garden. And I remember as a child growing up that regularly at about this time of the year, as spring was coming, he'd be out there with his fork preparing the ground for, for what he was going to plant in it. And the picture I had was of a foot pushing a fork down into hard ground. So if you've ever worked in the garden, which I don't do a lot of, and you've used a, you've used a fork, you put the fork in, you put your foot on it, and you push it down into the ground. And that was the picture that I had. But that's not all. At best, that's aerating the ground. Once you've pushed it down into the ground, I had this picture of the, 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 the fork being pulled back because that's what lifts that chunk of ground, that chunk of soil, out of the ground. If it's really hard, then it remains a big lump. And then you flip it over on the side and you break it up before you put it back. If it's semi, uh, if it's already semi-soft uh, underneath, then it's much easier to just flip it over and you put your, your fork in it a couple of times and it breaks it up. So this is the picture that I'm having as we're, we're praying on Friday. You have to prepare the ground before you can sow the seed. In the parable of the sower, the path is like the hard ground. Even if the seed was good seed, it can't go into the soil because the soil is hard. So the ground has to be broken up in order for the seed to find purchase.
So I felt I heard the Lord say this as, um, as I was asking him, this is an amazing picture. What does it mean for us? I can see that it's uh, got to do with breaking ground, but what is it you're saying, Lord? I felt him say this, that for many of us, if not most of us, this has been an incredibly tough year. Financial pressures, work pressures, time pressures, the boundaries between those things being blurred, pushed. It's been an incredibly difficult time. And many of us have blamed the devil for that. And sometimes that's true. But I felt the Lord challenge me. It's not always true. What do you think the soil feels like, if soil feels? Being broken up to be ready for the seed to be planted. Just think of it for a second from a slightly different perspective. And I felt him saying that he has been at work trying to turn over the soil in our lives to break new ground. See if I can bring a little bit of clarity to what I'm saying. All the bad things that have happened this year, they did not all come from Jesus. But Jesus did allow them. And in them, and this is his promise, if you read Romans 8, 28, probably, this is his promise that in every circumstance, God is able to bring about good. It's not automatic. He is able to because he's called us and we are his. But we need to recognize and comply and seek for him to bring about good in the midst of the circumstances that we in other words there has to be a willing obedience and submission to the working of God and that feels uncomfortable at the least. And, and I, I'm aware of uh, quite a number of circumstances in our lives as a community. And forgive me if I'm being, uh, if I'm sounding like I'm being uh, harsh or, or uncaring, I'm not. But do you know what it's like when the Lord speaks to you? You've got to get it out. And I, I believe this, that the, just again to put it, things in context, that the most important responsibility that the leadership in any church, but certainly in Venture Church, has for us as a body is, as Ephesians 4 says, to prepare the saints for the work of ministry. Venture Church exists to make Jesus look good, not Francis, not the elders. Our responsibility, our privilege, our joy, the reason we've been delegated authority from Jesus is so that we, all of us, the whole body, can make Jesus look good, bring him glory. And as a secondary thing, that we can fulfill the purpose of God in our generation. Can I say it like this? He never gets on board with us. He always gets us on board with him. 
I'm going to repeat that because it's really, really, really important. He never gets on board with us. He always gets us on board with him. Even when we start in our own strength without praying, <laughs> it is a futile prayer to pray, Lord, oh, this is such a great, uh, this is such a great deal. This is such a great opportunity. Please just, just get on board with me because the answer is no. We have to, even when we put ourselves in that situation, humble ourselves and say, Lord, I lay this before you. Please, if this is your will, will you speak to me? I lay it before your feet. You, Ena. That, be honest, that's difficult. That is really vulnerable. The best plan, of course, is faced with the situation with what looks like a done deal to say, Lord, I, I submit this to you right now. Lead me and guide me because then the Lord is able to, to give you clear guidance before you've invested anything of yourself in it. So he never gets on board with us. He always gets us on board with him. The bottom line is we can't do it on our own. We have to get involved. Breaking new ground requires us to get involved in the things of God. So getting involved, what does it mean? Involvement is not an end in itself. It's a tool to expose us to people, situations that we wouldn't otherwise have been exposed to so that our horizons can be expanded. Involvement should lead to commitment. Commitment can never come without involvement. Just as breaking new ground, we can't do it on our own. We have to get involved. Now, if this sounds like a good sales pitch, or even a bad sales pitch at the moment, uh, because as a body, we're always looking for new people to, to get involved. Can I say that my motivation is not, ooh, I need uh, more Kid City leaders. I need more people on the serving team. That is a, a consequence, a, a secondary. I am convinced, convicted before God, that my responsibility is to do everything I can to help you position yourself for the blessing of God. And it is in that context that I'm sharing this with you. So if it sounds very self-serving, please know that I'm as involved as I possibly can be. <laughs> I can, literally can't do everything. You can't either. I'm not asking you to be. But involvement allows us to put our foot in the water. It opens up a whole set of doors, or as I said just now, it opens up a new horizon to us so that we can find how to work out this involvement and our involvement can become conviction. Involvement gives us a chance to try things out without getting married to them. It's many people's, um, I don't want to call it an excuse, many people's challenge when, uh, when we ask them to get involved is, oh, I don't want to get stuck there. 
okay. So where, where would you like to get involved? I'm not sure. I'm, 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 I'm waiting on the Lord because that sounds like a spiritual answer. That waiting usually lasts until they're about 97. So we, we, getting involved is not a lifelong commitment. I've served in many areas of the church over the years. I've loved them all. But the purpose of them was to lead me to recognizing what is the calling and the gifting of God that I must fulfill in order to fulfill God's plan and purpose for my generation. That's what brings him glory, not playing out of position. But sometimes I've got to play out of position. Yo, I wanted to say something naughty about yesterday's handbagging with Ibn Elizabeth, but I don't know that it's appropriate. <laughs> I do know that I never got to play on the wing because I wasn't built for it. I've always played second row. So that was easy for me. And for some people, finding their gifting in Christ is easy. For others, for various reasons, including the fact that you're so brilliant and talented, you've got to play in a couple of different places before you find what is your primary gifting or your primary area of gifting. So involvement leads to commitment. Involvement's not an end in itself. It's a value of ours, and the reason it's a value of ours is because you cannot ever get committed without being involved. But it's not an end in itself. So let's get practical as I hopefully wind this up. Are you involved in a connect group? Getting real. And no, I'm not going to ask you to stand up if you're not. Why do we ask people to get involved in connect groups? Because it's kind of the, the easiest, the most basic form of involvement. But can I add this caveat? I know what it feels like on a Tuesday evening or a Thursday evening when you remember it's connect group and you've got to go and you've had a hectic day and you feel much and you, I don't know, whatever's going on. There's always going to be spiritual resistance. And dare I say it, sometimes that spiritual resistance is actually your flesh. So I acknowledge that. It's part of how God instills discipline in us. For he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-discipline, or a sound mind, or some of that. So it's interesting, some translations say, it's interesting that that phrase can go both self-discipline or a sound mind. Does that mean that if I'm not self-disciplined, my mind is not sound? I'll leave that to you for future, for future study and thinking about. Connect group is... It's usually a situation where you come away from feeling like you got way more than you gave. So that's why I'm calling it almost the entry level in terms of getting involved. This is more about you and your spiritual health and needing a good spiritual uh, injection in the middle of the week to keep you going strong. No, I'm talking about more than that. If you're not involved in a connect group, please can I honestly ask you to I'm not even going to ask you to pray about it. 
I'm going to ask you about when you can be involved. And if we don't have uh, a group that meets in your area at the time you need to, please come and talk to us about it because we want to plant some new connect groups. What I am talking about in terms of getting involved, and the easiest place probably to get involved is with the setup teams or the serving teams because there's a whole lot of different kinds of jobs that you can do. If you're happy, as I know some people are, putting out chairs, for instance, sending out teacups, that's an essential part. And why do we do those things? To enable people not to be distracted from coming to Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. That the most mundane things we do in the name of Jesus can and should be for his glory in ways that we don't necessarily understand. So, are you a closet musician? Yes, you who sing in the shower. Is that a gift that can go beyond that? If you're part of a serving team, you get to, you get to hear the, the band practicing beforehand. You get exposed to that a little bit more. You get to see Kids Village and Kids City. You get to see those things and you get to potentially get involved in that. Kids City and Kids Village are functioning quite differently to how we've done them previously. If you want to get a little bit involved, I mean, I love telling stories. So I've asked if I can come and tell some of the stories as part of Kids City. Kids Village would be more fun for me because I love, let's build the wall of Jericho. Let's make some, put some chairs together and let's clamber over the walls. If you're going to tell a story, get into it. So I love that. So I've asked if I can be part of that. So in a week or two's time, we'll be going to tell the story at, uh, at Kids City. Maybe you're really strong on admin and there's a number of us in the life of the church who are. We need people to help out with taking the register of making sure that mums and dads don't leave without their kids. That's not a tithe. <laughs> Maybe the stuff that we're not currently doing, but you do feel passionate about. I'm going to pick on Al. So Alistair has got a passion to visit some of the elder folk in our area here. Do you also have an interest in that? He was frustrated by me because uh, <clears throat> not part of my core ministry. And you know what? That's fine. But maybe it is something that you've got a passion for. Have a chat to Alistair. Maybe you've got a passion for hospital ministry, something else that we're not, not doing at the moment. Not because we don't believe in it, but because we don't have a captain, a champion. Why don't you step forward and say, man, I really want to get in the hospitals. Empty the hospitals. Amen! <laughs> Love it. Why did you get involved? Just some other positive ideas. Maybe you're a business person and you believe that that is God's gifting and anointing on your life. Amen to that too. So have you thought about potentially sponsoring somebody or being involved financially in an apostolic trip? 
you've heard testimonies even this year of the fact that they cost a few bucks. Now, I'm not, I know I paint these pictures in absolute terms because it's just an easier way to speak. I know that many of you are doing many of these things already. So, as Peter said in, uh, in his second letter, I think, he said, I want to remind you of these things, not because you're not doing them, but because of how important they are. You can't break new ground without being involved. Or to put it in a more biblical way, faith without works is dead. James 2.18, then he reminds us in verse 26, then he reminds us again in verse 30. So put your hand to the plow or your foot to the fork and get involved. So what have I said? The Lord knows his timing for giving vision. And he gave us this vision this year for just such a time as this. He didn't make a mistake. And no, this is not me trying to cover up for for me and the elders missing God. I believe that this this is the right word for this time. And in a sense, it was a similar time as the time of Hosea. A profoundly challenging time. So just remember that word that the Lord gave me about putting your foot on the, on the fork to break up new ground. Even though there's challenges in our lives, and there are, God is at work in your challenges. He has heard your prayers. I can say that without even knowing anything. I'm, if you've had challenges, you've prayed. If you've prayed, God's heard. What I can't tell you is when and how God's going to answer. But I can tell you, he is going to answer. And part of what he's doing is breaking up new ground in you. And breaking up new ground is not comfortable and not necessarily easy. So let's stop talking about it and get involved. Let's just do it. So can I ask you to stand? So it seems like hypocritical for me to pray about getting involved or even to make some kind of symbolic response. The action we need to take is going and speaking to someone. Can I get involved in the serving team? I'd really like to come and visit your connect group, whatever the case may be. That is the activation. That is the response to Jesus in this, uh, from this message. I also feel like I can't pray for us to to get involved. What I can pray for us is I can pray that the Lord doesn't let go of us. That he does what he wants to do, which is love us enough to not let us go. To give us the courage where we maybe need a little bit of courage to step out. So that's how I'm going to pray. Can I ask you to close your eyes so you can do... Uh, business with God. Faithful Father, I call you that because I know you are. I thank you for the revelation that you bring us. Lord, as you've spoken to us this morning about the fact that we can't break new ground without getting involved, Lord, I ask you to reinforce, reaffirm 
the, the things in our minds that you've stirred us to get involved in. Father, may we not uh, put it off till tomorrow. May we not say, I'll speak to so-and-so about, so, about such and such, and then maybe I'll speak to somebody else. Lord, may we put our foot on the fork and allow you to do what you've promised you want to do in us, to break new ground. So we commit ourselves into your hands. We are under no condemnation. We're not ashamed or shamed, as we heard in the word earlier. But Lord, we entrust ourselves to you, knowing that you want to bring glory to yourself through us and ultimately make us fulfilled by fulfilling the purpose that you've put in us for our generation. So we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website, www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.